Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis-Marmette. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Appetite for Change. Appetite for Change is a nonprofit in North Minneapolis that uses food as a tool for health, wealth, and social change. This year, in light of COVID and the unrest in Minneapolis, Appetite for Change has continued to ground themselves in their mission and center their work around community connection and nourishing food. They launched a pilot program called Community Cooks Meal Boxes, which provides fresh produce and pantry items, plus two recipes for over 300 families at no cost to the family. The program has been such a success that it has been extended for another six weeks and will continue into 2021. AFC has utilized the kitchens of their two restaurants, Breaking Bread Cafe and Station 81, to produce over 200,000 meals that have been distributed across the Twin Cities to healthcare workers, seniors, and families in need. In addition, they have seven farm plots across North Minneapolis that are tended to by community members and Appetite for Change youth learning how to grow a variety of plants. These fresh fruits and vegetables are distributed throughout the North Side. Even in 2021, Appetite for Change is committed to building a more equitable food system by delivering fresh and nourishing food to healthcare workers, seniors, and families in need, tending urban gardens and more. We have been collaborating with Appetite for Change over this past year, and we have loved their dedication to their mission, and we so look forward to volunteering with their organization and working with them more in 2021. To learn more about Appetite for Change, listen to episode 31 of our podcast with one of their founders, Michelle Horowitz. For more information or to donate, head on over to appetiteforchangemn.org backslash impact or on Instagram and Facebook at Appetite for Change. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the Art of Living Well podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to ask that if you're enjoying this podcast, if you could please take just two minutes to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Doing this really helps us reach more people so that others can benefit from the inspiring conversations and resources that we share every week. And if you're enjoying this episode, we'd love it if you would share it with a friend, family member, or anyone who you think may benefit from this information. And of course, we'd love for you to share it on social media, tag us, and connect with us. We'd love to know what topics you want to hear more about as we plan out our content for this coming year. We are thrilled to have my good friend and psychotherapist, Kirsten Rui, back on our show today. Kirsten is passionate about working with adults who struggle with relationship concerns, anxiety, or depression, and also enjoys assisting teens and families in crisis. This time, she's joined with her 19-year-old daughter, Sophie, who is a sophomore at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, majoring in biology with minors in studio art and French. 
And they joined us today to talk about the very important topic of mental health for teens and young adults. We first had Kirsten on our show right after the pandemic hit as a bonus episode in late March. And during that episode, we talked about mental health and specifically anxiety, which is really on the rise across the globe given our current world health crisis. And in that episode, Kirsten shared her insight, her one-on-one therapy tools, and a lot of helpful advice that all of us can use to bring more calm into our life, and not just in today's current environment, but really for a lifetime. So if you haven't already listened to that first conversation with Kirsten, we highly encourage you to do so, and we've linked that up in the show notes for you. So during today's conversation, we talk about stress, anxiety within the teen and young adult group, which has really become much more heightened and challenging during this pandemic when we're all more isolated from our peers and our friends. In today's conversation with this mother-daughter duo, we go into the mind of a college student and the struggles and challenges that both Sophie and her peers face during this time, um, along with the insight and tips that work for her, in particular during this pandemic. Sophie shares what her and her friends do to help each other out and boost each other's moods. And Kirsten shares some of the challenges that she's seen in her practice with her teenage and young adult clients and her simple but not always easy tips that can boost your mood and improve your mental clarity. Like something as simple as walking with a friend and getting outside every day. Sophie and Kirsten both talk about their relationship and how their open communication has been paramount in them developing and maintaining a strong bond throughout the teenage years. This is one conversation that is a must for all parents and teens, as it touches on finding balance within our mind, body, and spirit. And regardless of the age of your kids right now, the wisdom and insight that is shared in this episode is extremely useful for parents of younger kids as well. And with that, let's dive right into our inspiring conversation with Kirsten and Sophie Rui. Hi, Kirsten and Sophie. Thank you so much for being on our show today. And Kirsten, we're so excited to welcome you back to the Art of Living Well podcast as you made your first debut in late March, just as the pandemic started. And Sophie, it's so great to see you. And I can't believe you're almost halfway through your sophomore year at Madison. It seems like yesterday you were over at our house babysitting for our three kids. And you've always been like so mature and well-spoken and you've always seemed very comfortable in your own skin. Um, So we're excited to have you both here today. And Kirsten, since you've been on our show before, I thought we would just dive right in and get started by asking you what type of issues you're seeing in your practice with teens and young adults and specifically how some of those concerns have heightened during this pandemic. Well, thanks for having me again. It's such a treat to have a chance to share what I'm experiencing because as I said, back in the spring, you kind of are this lone soldier when you are a mental health provider. And one thing I always feel, it's like simmering right below the surface for me as I'm feeling like I wish I could share what I'm hearing because I benefit from being validated all the time you know, by hearing other people's stories. And I just want platforms to offer those stories to others because I think there's just such um, calm that comes with knowing you're not alone in whatever difficult things you're experiencing. So, um, and then also, I can't believe we're still having this conversation because back then we had no concept that we would be at it almost a full year from that date. So here we are plodding along. And 
Um, I would say, you know, unfortunately, the issues continue to sort of mount. And I would say that, you know, where at the beginning, it was sort of this shock and uh, just trying to digest all the changes and losses and trying to, you know, create new normals and, um, you know, just get ourselves kind of set up to deal with it day by day. I think now everyone is just trying to find endurance to keep going. And I think people are, you know, a lot of what I'm hearing is I can't concentrate. I lose my train of thought. I feel overwhelmed. I feel irritable. I feel, um, lonely. Um, I think sometimes people are also, seeing the positives, you know, seeing some of the, it's life is simpler. Um, there's less demands on them. There's some of those things, but the young people are weary. I mean, and again, I don't have data on the nation or the world, but I can tell you from my practice and, and Sophie can speak to what she's seeing kind of a little bit of a taste of her slice of the world too. But, um, young people are really struggling. I mean, I, I feel like I'm hearing uh, that they are very down. A lot of them, you know, have decided to try medication or, you know, because I think they feel too like um, they know some of the tools they should be doing, but it's, it's like they just don't even, aren't even finding the energy to maybe use the tools, uh, you know, get out and exercise or, or do those things, um, which having sports back hopefully will, um, aid and getting kids more active again and connected. Um, but you know, the kids that I work with, and again, you know, you think sometimes kids that are seeing a therapist would be like, Oh, the ones that are, you know, in the worst shape or something. But I actually think my kids, the kids I'm working with are, are, are some of the, um, ones that have more resources available to them and they're pretty dynamic and they're willing to share. And so, you know, seeing them struggle makes me wonder about those that don't have the resource. I mean, I really worry about young people right now. And I really want schools to figure out a way to get them back because I, I think they just absolutely need each other. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so overwhelming what's going on for everyone right now, right? Mm -hmm. So Sophie, can you talk about that a little bit and what your experience has been um, about the stresses and the pressures of the pandemic and how you've kind of felt through it and how your peers, how you've noticed your peers handling it and how you guys have navigated through it? Yeah, it was definitely a big switch. I would say going to college my first year as a freshman was already such a big change, especially at such a big school. But then I think we all thought maybe online might be easier. You know, we're not walking to all our classes or maybe if you are, you only have one or two in person and maybe it'll be easier online. But I found it was a lot harder to get help. I know on our campus, there's a lot of help desks and resources available and it was a really hard switch of, okay, how do we make this work online? How do we make, how do I fit this in my schedule? How can I understand this content that I'm so used to like being in person and talking with peers after lecture and all those things that I'm so used to and we like adjusted to and now are basically gone. Um, I feel pretty lucky on my campus and I've told this to my parents too, I'm living in my sorority house this year. So I'm surrounded with a lot of other kids, but I've noticed a lot 
of kind of like my mom said, honestly, despair and just loneliness and kind of fearfulness, especially in friends that are stuck in apartments or on different campuses too. It's been hard to watch. I've definitely had many friends spiral very quickly and rightfully so given everything going on. Yeah. So it's hard. It's, you get a lot of headaches staring at a screen that long and it takes yeah. a lot of initiative. It's, you have to be very motivated to be able to keep going. And even some of the smartest and most motivated kids I know, I think are really losing steam. So we, we're in it together. I don't, I definitely don't feel alone in it and it feels really special. I think it's been a huge bonding experience for my friends that were just all there for each other and really trying to figure it out. But it's a lot. And I'm assuming you're home right now for a chunk of time, which is unusual as well, right? Have you been home since like Thanksgiving and... I actually went back to school, so I was okay. really going to have to stay home, but um, my living situation opened up again, so I was able to go back to school for a little bit, but all our classes were online. Mine mainly were at that point already, but it was I think it was kind of a good thing to be able to go back for finals, again, just being in the environment with other students, because sometimes at home, I know it can be hard when yeah. you know, family, you just kind of want to be relaxing and spending time with them, and you have to be doing finals. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think freshmen at Madison had to stay after Thanksgiving, but yeah. some of the, you know, if you have an apartment above, or off, yeah, they could campus. go back yeah. if they needed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we understood, we don't exactly provide the best study environment. <laughs> well, I mean, right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I come over for Thanksgiving break and like, I'd be like, just with my mom's like, there's a shoe sale. And then it's like an hour later and we've been doing not school. And I'm like, this yes. is bad. <laughs> yeah. It's hard because we're excited to have her and yeah. be with her. And she's like, I'm not here. Just pretend I'm not here. Kind of thing. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's not what she signed up for. You know, once you go away and you're independent, then all of a sudden you have to come home and be under your parents' roof again. Right. Yes. Well, I'm I, sure that was a big transition. I think it's also when I am home, I do want to be spending time with my family, you know, because it is more special and I don't get to see my siblings as much and they're younger and I want to catch them with our lives and my mom, my dad. And I think that was especially hard last year when I was sent home that I just had to be holed up in my room for so long. And again, that was even harder because I had, I mean, now at school I'm around peers so I can still work with some people in person that I'm living with. Um, but being home was really isolating because I had to very much so just isolate from my family and be like, I need to get this work done, which is hard. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I was going to say um, on that note too of, you know, I a big chunk of what has been coming up in my practice in the last month is uh, some of the couples I work with having, inviting back their their college kid and dealing with how to, it's like, it's hard enough having your college kid come home and like managing the rules of, okay, this isn't the college campus anymore, but now we have this layer of COVID on it. So it's like, okay, not only do we have to worry about you out doing whatever you do past midnight (laughs) in your age group, but you know, you also have to keep in mind our family might not be operating with that kind of freedom that you do on a college campus or whatever. And so there's a lot of tension in families about how to navigate these layers of stress and rules. And it's, it's really 
the, the, you know, the battle is real. There's no right answer either. So, you know, as I'm trying to help people sort through what feels best in their home, I'm kind of like, oh boy, I'm, I'm weary with it too. It's just really, there's, there's no great answer. So we're just all like, oh, you know, is the end in sight, is the end in sight, you know, something to just alleviate this fear that we all is simmering underneath everybody. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you're saying that because, you know, I have a 20-year-old who's also a sophomore in college and we are definitely experiencing that in our house to the point where he's going back to school on Monday even though he doesn't start school until the end of the month because he just does not have the freedom here and you know, we're we're careful and we don't want him in other homes and out and whatever and so it's, it's better for him to be back at school. He lives with eight guys, you know, kind of like you, Sophie, you have your friends built into your, your house situation. And so I think for his mental health, it's probably better for him to be back at school. Yes. Well, and, and I think what I'm noticing is it's sort of this, the young and then kind of the, our parents' generations that are kind of struggling the most a bit, um, and, you know, obviously there's variations on a theme, but they're, you know, they, they, their de desire to connect with their peers is so big. And I mean, for the elder population, obviously for them, it's like a, the risk is enormously high, but to be isolated feels really terrible for their mental health and the same with the young people, but they struggle with, gosh, it's actually not that not necessarily the biggest risk for us physically but we wanna try and be respectful to our communities. And so there's this kind of constant battle in, inside of them around <laughs> this, you know, it's like their conscience is there saying, what is the right thing? But my, my drive to be connected to my peers and have fun is, is also an important need and important part of their health. So it's, you know, it's complicated. And then you throw yes. judgment into the mix and- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if I could erase one thing from this uh, period of time, it would be judgment of others. I think it's yeah. so um, painful and difficult, and families and individuals are just kind of doing what they need to do, and we just have to like not get into those spaces of deciding other people's choices aren't the right ones because it's just not helpful. <laughs> it's just no. not helpful. Yeah. And then if you're the one judging, you're living with that toxicity. And if you're the one receiving it, it, it feels terrible too. So it's just, there's no positive to it really. No. And I remember talking about in the first episode that we had, we talked about judgment and it's only escalated since the end of March, you know, as events have unfolded. So what have been some of the um, helpful, you know, you mentioned tools, Kirsten, or strategies or things that you've done, both, you know, what you're seeing and what you help your um, clients with, Kirsten, and then also Sophie, like what's been helpful? I know you've had this core group of friends, but you've seen others around you that are more isolated, that don't live with all their friends. Like any advice or things you can share with people? I want Sophie to kind of talk about this, but I just want to say too, like, um, and I don't feel like I'm saying something that Sophie necessarily wants to protect, but Sophie's always been kind of a, you know, spirited little person. She came out just raring to go. And she, based on the, um, you know, kind of her desire to do well and to take in the world the way she wants to, um, as her mom, you know, at, from a very young age, we had to kind of work on how to manage 
her anxiety, the pressure around doing all the things that she wanted to do and do them well and do them at the level she wanted to do them and the social pressures and everything. So talking about tools started young um, at our house because it was essential. Like I could sense in her, wow, this kid, not only, and when I say tools, like one of the tools is like having a good routine because she was like, as an infant, even a kid who, if I didn't follow kind of good sleep sort of schedule and stuff, I could sense that she was going to just unravel very quickly where, you know, other children in my house maybe have been more flexible from birth and that type of thing. So I think, you know, knowing how your DNA and how you're wired and everything can play out a lot for how you, how you take care of yourself at this time. So a lot of the work I do with people is sort of talking about what's worked for you at other times when you've had stress and anxiety and are those same tools working now? Um, and what new ones can we cater to what's going on? Um, and I can talk some more about what I'm doing in my practice, but so if you want to speak to kind of the tools piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say, yes, it's something that's been, we practiced probably my whole life because I am someone that is so dependent on routine, like extremely type A, but it, it is so helpful. And I felt that way in college, I was extremely grateful going in, just knowing like, I know exercise is a good thing for me. I know this is something I need to incorporate in my schedule. I need good sleep. I need to go to bed early. I need to, you know, eat well. Like these are things that are important to me and I've known my whole life make me feel better and help me function to the potential that I want to. Um, and I think it's, it is good in college knowing those things about yourself and people really do respect it. You know, I mean, my friends will probably stay up later than me, but they'll be like, you know what? It's 10 o'clock. It's Sophie's bedtime. Great. Like, <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Like, yeah. It's a little different maybe from the usual, but just knowing that thing about yourself. And I think a lot of my friends in this time have noticed certain things like, oh, maybe this is something I need to start practicing. Like I have friends that say like, maybe I do need to start thinking, be more thoughtful about what I'm eating or when I'm sleeping or my consumption of alcohol or whatever it is in college that I think I really appreciate that people my age are trying to make these efforts because it does help a lot. And it can be something for young people that feel overwhelming and scary. And it is good to start thinking about these things at a young age. So I would say though, just being thoughtful about it mm -hmm. has probably been the biggest helper and it's an adjustment. Doing it on your own can be a lot harder and scarier. And I especially needed my mom's support. I would say my freshman year way more like when I get in those kind of panicky states where I'd be like freaking out a little bit, I just need to call my mom and she's like, you're fine. It's okay. Like take the deep breaths. Like, you know, you can, it was the things I knew how to do, but sometimes you just need that little reach out. And I think especially this year, it's gotten a lot easier to be able to do that on my own. And I know like I've been given these tools, I can use them. They're there for me and I should use them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and building, I think your community of other people that you feel safe enough to share. I don't feel so great. Can I, talk about this, you know, that yeah. kind of thing um, is huge. So you, what I was going to add to that too, is like, and these are the same things that we were talking about last spring is I, I really, the biggest thing I'm noticing is people are tuning into the fact that the more they're connected to electronics, so whether it be the news, social media, watching too much, too much Netflix, whatever, their mental health rapidly starts to feel depleted, run down and, and just vulnerable, frankly. So I keep saying like, 
you know, no one can police this, but you. And so we, we talk a lot about, and this is just such a real thing for this generation that we just don't have data on really either, because it's like rapidly changing. I mean, I was just saying to Sophie, I'm like, I, we didn't even have, this is so embarrassing to admit, but we did not have computers when I went to college. We were still using word processors. They were just coming out. There was just a computer lab, like, you know, but it was like not something that was a huge active part of our lives. No one had laptops, no phones were really being used. So that's how quick this is, you know, changed and evolved. And it's like, there's not a soul not, you know, that is without all this just at their ready constantly. So managing that use is so vital right now because it's our way to connect, but it's also so important that our brain and our eyes and our soul gets a break from it. So what are the best breaks? Well, some of the best are to get outside. And, and, and you know, those of us in Minnesota, we, we have to just figure out how to dress, but you just have to give your, yourself a break. Because if you think about when you're in anxiety too, you're you, your body constricts, not only physically, but like your vision constricts, everything kind of tightens and constricts and nature helps us relax and widen. It's like, so what, what the message happens when we see the sky and when we see the horizon and we allow our peripheral vision to activate is it tells the brain you're okay. It's calm. This is not, this is not a time of danger and restriction, but we can't look at a computer in a wide lens or a, a phone or a, you, you go into that. And so it's, it's a, it's a message to our brain of just tenseness. So I, you know, I always say that is like another way because people are like, well, but it's a nice escape. And I, it's, it's ironic because it also can offer stress relief because it is a good escape and it's, there's humor. There's many things that can be very positive and resourceful um, on our technology. It's just, all good things must have their, their boundaries and limitations. Uh, so that's huge. So I would say setting boundaries around that, you know, making nature and movement a huge part of every day. I mean, or I would say a part of every day. I, I don't know if huge is the right word because it's just impossible right now because we have to be in front of our technology. But I, I tell the parents that I work with and the teens that I work with, I actually say, it's not optional and it's daily. I don't do this like three days a week, four days a week. I'm like every single day, figure out how to get yourself away from your screen and out, out the door. Um, and then somehow being able to connect with someone in a way that feels meaningful. So if it's you know a phone call to someone who you just feel like you can say something real with, if it's um, a walk with someone, that's kind of the ideal scenario because you're getting the nature and the walk all together. It's just something meaningful beyond just your work and your that kind of so just a true connection where you you say how you're doing you ask another how they're doing so that kind of connection is so vital right now too. I mean so, we couldn't agree more. Marnie and I talk about this all the time, and I always say like a walk outside with someone you're close to is like the best therapy, and it's free, yeah, it and you can do it pretty much anytime, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I mean, I you know I. I don't want to make myself go out of business, but I would honestly right, say <laughs> like that is the way to ha be a happy soul is figure out how to walk with a variety of people, reach out to people, make that happen. Even like, you know, my husband and I will go with other couples sometimes. I mean, that's just like a, a way to connect because we can't, you know, dine in people's homes and do all that. So that's a way to connect with others. And um, so I just think there's many ways to, uh, you know, 
integrate connection and nature and movement. And, and it's just the kind of a, a fast dose of feeling better. And I think I, like Stephanie said, I totally agree with that. And I think in our age range, we're, we're doing a pretty good job of doing that. When I look at uh-huh. the teens, I don't see that as much. And I look at my two daughters, especially like, you know, they are on their phones more than they've ever been. Like they were not huge phone kids, I would say before the pandemic. And now it's like constant. And I'll be like, you know, why don't you go outside or take a break or what, you know, I'll suggest a million things. And my one daughter will be like, well, this is how I connect with my friends. This is the only way I can connect with my friends or I need to catch up on my Snapchats because that's how I'm connecting. And so how do you, Sophie, how do you navigate that? I know you're maybe in college, it's not as much because you're living with friends, but what about when you were in high school or the pressures of, you know, doing your daily streaks and all, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it is true. My generation so does rely on technology to connect. I'm a little, I don't do streaks. I'm a little averse to my phone, I would say, especially, I mean, but I can be is the thing is I'm lucky enough that I'm in a position on campus that I do feel connected to my friends and I don't need to be on my phone an extreme amount, but it is hard. I think the fact that we have to be online so much just to do school. I mean, I'm probably on my computer like 10 to 12 hours a day at least because that's how I have to do everything. And that's how we all have to do everything. And I think a lot of friends have realized, oh wow, we have to do all this for school. And then my source of connection is also through this. So now our time spent on screen is just like astronomical. It's so bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So it has become something again, just being a lot more thoughtful of like, how do we use this on-screen time? And I think when I was isolated at home last year for my friends, it was, I was on my phone much more, but I think we made a, I made a point with a lot of my friends to do more like voice calls. So I don't have to be necessarily staring at a screen the whole time. And you can actually be having more of a meaningful conversation than just a text or a Snapchat. And I think we've all been working on, okay, what's the most meaningful way we can have connection and we can use technology to our advantage, but not necessarily be abusing it. And it's something we have to be so much more thoughtful for than we were before. Because mm-hmm. I mean, before when you're running around, you're going to live lectures and it doesn't feel like such a bad thing to be using your phone in between or at the end of the day. Um, but it is hard, especially for young people. I think we care about, it's like you said, for the young people, we, we so value that connection, we really need it. And I think that's really hard for my siblings. Like when I hear again, oh, they're completely online. I know they're just at home and they probably can't really see their friends at all. And it's hard. I was going to say too, that what I'm hearing from some of my high school kids too, is like, you know, the problem is setting boundaries with it can sometimes be interpreted from another kid as like you're boxing them or whatever the terminology, but you know, you don't want it to seem like you're not trying to respond to you or whatever. So setting boundaries can sometimes feel rude or, or, or like you're not caring about someone. Um, so it's, it's like they're having to navigate, you know, operating as a caring friend through technology, but also yeah. protecting their own wellness. And a lot of them feel like they're putting out so much that, w- you know, when I'm talking to them, it's like, they just don't have much left in the tank. And they, you know, I'm hearing just like, yeah, I can't concentrate. I'm so exhausted. I feel overwhelmed. I just, 
I just want to eat, you know, junk food because I just feel, you know, so there's this real like lack of self-care because they're just giving everything to, you know, the school demands and the social demands that are happening from the technology piece. So it's, it's not as easy for them to integrate this time, which is why I'm telling parents like, you know, just really try to get them out with you. Um, so, you know, like I'll sometimes say to my daughter, like, just come with me for 15 minutes and then you can head back in if you don't want to keep going and I'll grab dad and he can come with me for 15 minutes or whatever. And so I'm, I'm really trying to make that happen. I'm like, I don't even care if you want to listen to some music. We don't have to talk if you don't want to. I'd love to talk to you, but yeah. I, you know, anything to get them kind of out there. And normally what I find is if I'll say that she'll, you know, end up chatting with me and it'll be okay. Or even asking them to run errands with you, anything to just switch it up for them um, is helpful. I would say my friends this year have been really thoughtful about too, that too. Like I've told my mom, like I have one friend who knows I can just like get in my work mode and I do not do anything else. Like I just lock myself away for 12 hours and just grind on a bunch of stuff. And she'll be like, all right, when are we going to go on our coffee break today? You know, like she has a car on campus. She's like, we'll just go for a little drive and just mm -hmm. kind of like get you out. And I noticed that even way more than last year. I think we've all noticed that we need to take care of each other and your friends really do. So I would say for college campus kids, even if you're stuck in an apartment or more of an isolated situation, maybe picking those people that you're like, all right, we're kind of in the same little pod and like, we're going to be looking out for each other. And honestly, most of my peers, I think have done that on their mm -hmm. own no matter what situation they're in, they have those people that they know, like, I stay really connected with you. And those friends are the ones that like, they stay updated on all the little things in your life. And they send you little texts, like, how did this go? How did, you know, like very specific things mm -hmm. and just being like that with that communication, like knowing like, what are the really important things I need to check in on this, that we're making this time on the phone meaningful. Yeah. Um, and something that's a little less superficial than maybe it was before because it's fun I mean there's definitely a lot of fun stuff too like TikTok is a huge bonding thing for my generation <laughs> um yeah. and I mean that can be meaningful too I think I don't have TikTok but my friends love sending them and like that's kind of fun too like I'll get texts even over break my roommate if I have who lives in Chicago so I obviously haven't seen her but like she'll send me little TikToks that like make her think of me and stuff and like that's sweet too like yeah they all I love how you've been creative with um, expanding the ways that you've connected. And it's almost like you have a little accountability buddies built yeah. in um, and, and the check-ins and, you know, I think it's reaching out, finding those people. And even if it's just one person or two people in your life and you just have this back and forth where you're texting or calling or depending on where you live um, and getting outside, I think those are all great ideas and really I mean pretty simple to implement right if you think about it it is and simple it, but it can be hard it can be yes. harder because you just S simple not easy sometimes yeah right? yeah, yeah. yeah yeah they're simplistic but they're not always it's like just going on a walk sometimes that inertia to do it can be incredibly hard for some people to have um mm -hmm. and you know so it's just asking that buddy make me do it you know or you know, telling friends, I'll tell friends, ask me to do things because sometimes I get in work mode and whatever, and I need, I need that impetus mm -hmm. to do it. And then I think helping others. So knowing that, Hey, I'm going to ask you, no, you're, you're on, you asked me to walk next time. So we keep each other getting out of the house and doing things because this, this time can really, I think, um, breed sort of introversion and isolation in a way that almost makes it normalized. And 
And I think some people are even fearful, like, how will I even know how to be a social person again? I mean, it's going to feel really overwhelming. And for a lot of people, I think it's, it's sort of validating their, their introverted side of themselves in a way that they notice though, that they're kind of also low energy and kind of a little bit um, of a malaise is kind of there because we ultimately do need connection. It's so vital to who we are. And now we want to take a quick break from today's conversation to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Lakewinds Co-op, which is a favorite grocery store of ours to shop at in the Twin Cities. We love that Lakewinds has such high standards and bets every single product on their shelves, including their amazing personal care and supplement section so that we don't have to. As busy parents, we don't always have the time or the desire to read every ingredient label. And we, when we shop at Lakewinds, we have confidence that it's been done for us. Grocery shopping should be an enjoyable and calm experience, and Lakewinds does everything to make your experience stress-free from the moment you walk in the door. The decor and aesthetics are really calming and inviting, and we have never met such knowledgeable and friendly staff in all the departments, including meat and seafood, in the wellness department, and produce. We love Lakewinds produce section, which focuses on organic and fair trade products. About 95% of the produce is organic and local as much as possible. And they really support the local and small sustainable farmers right here in Minnesota and Wisconsin. The meat buyers actually visit the farms. They talk to the ranchers and see their practices to ensure that the animals are ethically raised and treated, which is really important to us. All of their meat is free from additives, synthetic preservatives, nitrates, antibiotic residues, steroids, and added growth hormones. Unlike many traditional grocery stores, Lakewinds has a banned ingredient list that is used to vet the products on their shelf, which includes artificial flavors, colors, preservatives, high fructose corn syrup, hydrogenated oil, etc. This applies to the food on their shelves, as well as the supplements and beauty and personal care products in their wellness department. If an item doesn't meet the product standards, Lakewinds doesn't allow it on their store. And we love that peace of mind. We also love how they seek out local small batch makers who meet their standards and really try to support our local businesses. We all know that maintaining a healthy body and mind has huge implications on our immune systems and being able to fight off the flu. So support your health and wellness in the new year by shopping at your local co-op. You can find the fabulous Lakewinds co-ops in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield, or have groceries delivered from Instacart. While Lakewinds Co-op is a member-owned store, you don't have to be a member to shop and receive their weekly specials. Although we highly recommend that you do become members like us for additional monthly savings and an annual dividend. You can find out more by going to lakewinds.coop. And when you're there, be sure to check out their delicious recipes. And if you don't live in the Twin Cities, we highly encourage you to find your local co-op by heading over to National Co-op Grocers and finding one near you. Well, and I'm curious, Kirsten, on your thoughts on this, because like Sophie, you're a sophomore, you clearly have like solid friendships and a pretty good um, base in Madison. But what about all these freshmen out there that went off to school without those connections and they're, you know, siloed in their dorm rooms? And 
what recommendations or suggestions do you have for them if they haven't found their people yet? Yeah. You know, that is, it's really interesting thinking about that community because again, this is like new landscape. I mean, we have never dealt with something like this. And I, I, you know, I'm telling these young people that I talk to that are in that boat or even their parents, like really watch your kids. This is, this is, could, could go south really fast. And so it's okay sometimes to decide that you need to make a different decision for this year. What are the things we need to do? Because each child is so different. I know some that are absolutely not doing well. This is not going well at all. And they have had to make decisions to leave their school, to do a transfer, to call it a, you know, a year at home, whatever they need to do to preserve their mental health and the integrity of sort of their sense of self. Because I think it's like being alone in a, in a dorm room with a stranger and then all these restrictions and the little bit of contact you have, you're wearing a mask and then you're on a screen. I mean, that is absolutely, well, it's prison basically. I mean, that is just not how <laughs> an 18 year old should be having their first experience away from home, right? So um, we, we are not giving, I think enough you know, commentary. So it's such a good question about this. And I mean, I, I, I just commend the people that are saying, you know, it's okay. Like we don't need to judge if we're making a, a, a plan B for this year and then assess what we need to do next. I mean, that flexibility and that tuning in because our egos cannot be driving our decisions. I think people are like, oh, what will, what will be perceived? Oh, my kid is weak somehow. Or my, no, I actually think sometimes it's the most sort of social and, and thriving kids that this is really not working for because it's not giving them all the arenas that they succeed in and have gifts in. And, um, you know, it's funny, my youngest son, he's a very social guy. And one of his teachers kind of described him as a, she used the word, it was a, a nice spin on some of his challenging behaviors, which is she called him a community builder. She's like, he's a real community builder, which was code for he's constantly disrupting the class. And <laughs> but um, but when, when I think about him, I think, oh, this is not a kid who will do well if he was ever put in a dorm isolated, you know, like he needs... He, that's his gift. And, and if he needs it, he needs it. So I think, you know, anything we can do to, to really say, what is it going to do to support this child right now? So I have been, um, I use the term like a rent a friend. I've been, you know, called upon for many young people in this time to just be that daily safe spot to, to touch base. So I always say like, if you have the resources or time to get a child support at this time, great, because there is no shame in having a space to talk, to be validated, to think about solutions, to have another sounding board besides your family members or, or a, a trusted friend. I think that's the challenge is Sophie's at the age now where she can say to a friend, I feel anxious. I don't feel good. I whatever. But that kind of conversation wasn't even remotely something that she probably would have done in middle school, high school or any other time before. It just there wasn't the safety or the even, I think, enough sort of sense of self to really articulate it in that way. And yeah. I think we as adults need to help our kids know it's all right. You don't need to be like shouting from the mountaintop that you're not doing well, but what can we do to get you through this time? And that it is a temporary time, hopefully. I mean, it's, it, you know, we're, we're just trying to get through and feel good and, <laughs> you know, um, use the resources we have available to us. Well, I do have to say the freshmen I've watched and like communicated with, they really have 
I think done an amazing job of bonding together. I would be terrified in that position. And most of the freshmen I know say, you know, there was a lot of the freshmen at my school moved out of the dorms and got apartments, but like the few that are left in the dorms, they're like, there's not that many people in our hall, but we all really just like check in on each other and bonded together. And we're like, you know what, we're in this position. Like, this is the truth of the matter. And it is sad, but they don't really know the campus in any different way. And they've made it work for them in any way Mm -hmm. they could, which is really amazing. So, and maybe those, oh, go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say, I know a lot of kids that have even done kind of like a part-time thing with school. Like maybe they would normally be full-time enrolled students, but have taken a step back. So they're still doing it, but they're taking more time for themselves too, to process. Do I really want this? What do I think about my career path and the things I'm investing my time in and just my own mental health. And in some ways it's been really helpful because college is extremely fast paced. And I think some kids suddenly are so far along and then think, do I even want to be doing this with my time? Is this what I want to do with my life? And I think it's been a good check-in for a lot of kids. Yeah. Well, that's true. I think I was just going to quick add that some kids have felt like almost like they were able to get adjusted to some of the college scene and academics without having to navigate the party scene and all the other things. So there, in some ways there's, it's like, you know, so I've heard that. And then I think some kids who are going to school in more Southern communities or where their things are looser than they are in these sort of Northern towns are having a very different experience. So it's, you know, there's really not a one size fits all, but that's why I think the parents and the caregivers and, you know, just really have to watch. And if you're starting to see concerning signs, you know it. I mean, you know, when your child is, is just not well. And, you know, I, I think it's really important to respond and get them the support they can, they can receive. Cause it is not, it's just not a time to, to mess around. You know, they're just so isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think having those conversations is so important and being able to say to someone at a young age, I'm anxious, or like you mentioned, I mean, those are conversations that we just didn't have growing up, you know, or at least a lot of people did it. Um, so I think that's all positive. And there's, it sounds like there's even been some, I hate to use the word silver linings that you mentioned, Sophie, you know, not to say that everything related to the pandemic has been, um, all roses or anything like that, but it's nice to kind of say, okay, there have been some positive experiences for people and learnings and how can we then move forward? Yes. Once we come out of this. Yes. Well, you know, there was a terminology that I recently got exposed to from a lovely podcast and I should probably be giving them the credit, uh, but it's, I think it's a general term that's out there, but that, you know, we talk a lot about post-traumatic stress but actually most traumas and wounds and difficult things we deal with, we have what's called post-traumatic strength. We come out geared for life in a new way. We have additional levels of self-knowledge and of um, just an ability to uh, recognize the range of what we can get through. And even, you know, thinking about our marriages, like actually the data is showing us 75% of the couples out there that are reported. This was on a Kinsey, um, recent Kinsey report. Kinsey's doing some really cool COVID research. It's really neat to see, but they um, said 75% of the married couples were actually feeling, you know, more positive feelings about their marriage and what it's done for them. You know, 25% or 20% or so were, you know, having worries and concerns, but the vast majority were positive. And Um, you know, so there's some, there are some, you know, strengths that are coming out, new ways of doing things. There's, there's a lot of goodness in this too. 
Um, but I think what's what's kind of frightening and what I see in my field is the ones that are kind of not doing well are really not doing well. So we we need to all be kind of rallying to support and figure out how to connect with those individuals and come together, the communities of family members or resources around them and help them. Yeah. So, so what would be some suggestions that you have to do that? Well, well, it sort of depends on the scenario, but like I said, sort of like if you see a child who you know is suffering um, or you have, know a cousin who's really isolated or you, any, or a, a mother or, you know, any of your, any, I think thinking outside of ourselves of how can I be reaching out to people? If I'm feeling pretty decent and pretty grateful with what I've got going and I've got a little rhythm and I'm not totally burned out, thinking about how we can extend ourselves um, because this is a time where those who are suffering are doing so in, in, in silence a bit and they're ashamed of it or they're not even in a space to know how to begin helping themselves because they kind of feel just a sense of over, true overwhelm. I hear that word a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I mean by just, you know, if there's anything people can do that's just so, again, simple, but sometimes just doesn't happen or not on our radar is reach out to that aunt, you know, that's kind of isolated or that, you know, 20 something year old that, you know, is living alone in a, an apartment or that nephew that's, at, you know, missed his freshman year because of, the, you know, whatever. It's like, let the village grow a bit in that way um, and make those, forge those connections. I think it's almost like, the message is, oh, everyone be in your pot and isolate, but that doesn't mean you can't send a card, make a call, you know, ask for a walk mm-hmm. beyond your little pod. Um, so anything you can do to sort of reach out and be creative with that is, I think, goes a long way. I think that's, that's great. great advice. And, um, you know, I love the idea of post-traumatic strength. I love that. I mean, I think that it's so true. You come out of something and people come together, they bond, and hopefully you do learn something about yourself and come out stronger on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe pivoting a little bit, um, obviously we talked a lot about the stress and anxieties during COVID, but just in general, and maybe Sophie, this is a good question for you, you know, adolescence is such a vulnerable period. And especially for girls with body image, you know, it continues to be a sensitive and really important topic. And this has been going on for decades, right? And I know the pressure and the com- competition to be relevant and comparison, especially on social media, which we talked about a little bit and how people look and how thin they are is so real. So we'd love to get, you know, get in your head a little bit um, and share what is it like to that pressure to be on and be relevant and just maybe talk a little bit about body image. I mean, yeah, I think that living this year with so many other girls has been really telling and great. But I think in my living situation, we've all worked hard to like foster a positive environment. I know eating can be so stressful for girls, especially in college. And honestly, I think a lot of times when it, when anyone says something like, oh, I shouldn't have this or like, oh, I'm not feeling good today. Everyone would be like, why not? Like, you're hungry. It's okay. Eat that. Like, or you look good. And like, you don't need to worry about that. And like, Mm -hmm loving each other beyond what social media tells us we need to be is something that is so important. And I think something people have worked really hard to be thoughtful about. 
And social media can be a really scary place, but it also can be a helpful place. And I know a lot of friends that have been working to make it something that's less, this doesn't need to be the perfect platform. This just needs to be me. And I really appreciate that from people. It's, it's something that's always going to be hard for girls. It's something that I know has been hard for a really long time and it's hard watching friends struggle through it, but it is, I don't know, I guess it is something that another thing we can be more thoughtful about and spending more time on and more looking out for people. And I think my generation does do a really good job of that. Social media does talk about it a lot. It's not something I think that's off the radar, always like this perfect thing. People really do try to be real. And I think living with other girls, the reason I say this is so good is we see each other at all points in time, sometimes in high school or even in college when you're more isolated, like you don't see people, you know, right when you know, they've had a terrible night's sleep or they're really stressed or they're, you know, maybe at not their like perfect position. Like we see all each other as we are. And that's something really valuable. And I think important oh, that's interesting. Yeah. For girls to see. Um, yeah. They get well, to see each other looking terrible in their living situations where <laughs> yeah, in high school and middle school, they don't well, necessarily always see that. So, yeah. so what would you say um, Sophie to your younger self, like your middle school self or your high school self. I mean, as this very poised college student, you have a lot of insight, but I'm guessing when you were 13, you maybe didn't have all this insight or maybe you did. I don't know, but looking back, what would you say to yourself? Like what advice would you give, give to the, to the younger girls today? Yeah, I think it takes a lot of time. And I think this is probably something, like I said, I've been thinking about for a little bit longer than other people, just because it is something that was always talked about in my house and something that was thoughtful. And like, I think I struggled with body image a lot more in high school. So it was something that I just started working on and being like, how can I make this a positive thing for myself and what's balanced for me? And I think a lot of times people our age think so in extremes, like I need to be doing all of this and I need to be doing it perfectly. And I'm cutting out sugar and carbs completely and I'm going to exercise every day and it's just something that is a lot more what feels good for me what is reasonable for me what can I do to take care of myself but also be giving myself grace and be thoughtful like treating myself well mm-hmm. and I think that's something a lot of girls struggle with because it is social media and what we usually see people is like this always perfect image so people feel that's what they need to be doing and that's not the truth of it at all wellness is not being perfect. It's being careful for yourself and being thoughtful for yourself. It's not a straight path. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing. There's, I'm definitely not perfect with it. There's a lot of growth I need to still do, but knowing that and being okay with that, I would say is the biggest Mm -hmm. thing. That's such a mature response, Sophie, first of all. I mean, that really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and their generation has, you know, the good and bad in that they have so much more available to them, knowledge about it, resources about it, exposure to it Mm -hmm. than our generation. You know, we didn't even have gyms when I was in there. Or like, there was no like exercise facility or, you know, there was, but it was not a thing. We had Jane Fonda workout videos, Kirsten. I mean, that's part. I just did like some sports in high school and, but there was no like going to core power yoga classes or any of that kind of stuff where a lot of the kids are exposed to those things or they're exposed to more nutritional information and, all these different paleo, vegan, this, that, and the other. I mean, there was just not a ton of that going on. So our generation kind of had to learn by, you know, things went south and then we were like, oh, and then we had to learn. And then, you know, so it's, it's, I think mothering our girls is, I, I've been very honest about my journey with my girls. Like, you know, the, the 
positives, the negatives, the pitfalls, trying to just not make it be this thing that I'm ashamed of, but just like, you know, this is what I've had to kind of cultivate and learn and give myself grace about and um, try and, I mean, <laughs> I am a very like body love kind of person to the point where the whole family's like, you know, we see more of you than we want. We put on pants. You're a little. <laughs> I'm like, this body's done some good stuff for me. I mean, I just kind of like choose to let the flaws um, be part of the, the the good stuff too, and just really try to work on that to the point where I actually kind of believe it now. It's like I don't know, it worked. Um, but you know, I I think it's it's just it's again it's not like a destination it's it's just something we're all working on and, and it it changes as we get older um so these sweet little 13 year olds their bodies are changing and they kind of haven't caught up their maturity and their habits with the body changes so i think that's a huge thing too is i said to my girls like you know once you kind of go through puberty and you kind of settle into a, a regular cycle and all of that and this is true of boys too. It's like their body now has different nutritional needs. And that's something that they have to sort through. And I don't want to police it, but I can certainly share some things that have worked or haven't worked for me, but everyone's system kind of is different too. They have sensitivities that are different. They have different needs for all of what they, you know, what works in their system. So they got to kind of, I, I just like to teach mind body connection, tuning into how did that make you feel? Or I notice like, my other daughter's, her moods definitely are, you know, she's in high school and she's sitting in front of this thing more. So the fluctuating, I'm like, well, how has your nutrition been for the past few days? Have you gotten out and moved? Have you, so we, I just try and ask her to notice the days she feels better and the days she doesn't and how that's impacting things. Well, and especially I think, I know for me, the past few years have been a lot of changing around and it's been hard. I mean, like going from home to oh, yeah. college, to back home, to a different college situation, you know, like moving around so much, visiting friends, like it is, it's been a big adjustment. And I, I remember I even came to you like in the middle of COVID and I was just like, this has felt like it's been really hard on my body. Like, yeah, I'm someone that's like, you know, what I eat, I'm super sensitive to like what, when I sleep, when I'm moving, like there's a lot of things, like I'm not a super go with the flow person. Like I do feel really sensitive to all these things. So just trial and error is so important in giving yourself that grace is so important. Like knowing there's not one right answer. There's never going to be one right mm -hmm. fix to everything. It's changing for your situation and what you need in that moment and just taking your care, care of yourself in that. Like it's going to be changing. It's probably never going to be the same, especially yeah. when you're growing at this point. And yeah, your hormones are changing so much and yeah, adapting yeah. to what situation you're in. Yeah. Well, and you guys have a lovely relationship. Has it, has your relationship always been this open and honest and kind of straightforward? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe Sophie should talk first. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like I'm really grateful for our relationship. I would say, like I said, especially my freshman year, my mom was such a rock when I, I say freshman year, just because I think that's when I really needed it the most. It's I don't think anyone really can fully prepare you for college until you're there and you're like I don't know anyone here I don't know where I am this is a completely new city I have all these really stressful classes and it's it's scary it's mm -hmm. really hard and even those friends I counted on a lot in high school like they're in the same boat in a completely different city in a completely different school and they're doing their own thing and being able to call my mom and talk to my mom and especially in those moments where I'm kind of freaking out or panicking was so very important 
But I mean, we both said this, it's kind of a give and take, I think, especially this year, as I've gotten maybe more comfortable at school and with my friends, I think sometimes my mom wishes we could connect a little bit more. And sometimes I don't realize that. And, you know, I think we both need those moments of how are you feeling with our relationship? How am I feeling? Like, what can we do to be taking care of each other and still connecting with each other Mm -hmm. and having that connection that feels authentic over the phone over technology again that feels okay for both of us yeah you know I describe myself this year actually as kind of like feeling like a pathetic teenager a little bit where I was (laughs) like like trying to get attention and time and like hey I'm interesting I'm over here um I I think, um, you know, it's like, it's almost like sophomore year for our family. Sophomore year of college has felt like the biggest cord cut yet. Um, And I don't know if that's how others are experiencing it. For some, maybe the freshman year, they felt it pretty dramatically. But I I think she relied on me more her freshman year and then with COVID in the middle of it and whatever. Um, But this year, she really kind of hit the ground running. And when she left and we'd have our check-ins, but it was definitely I could tell the the need for for me to moderate things was was different and I I was happy we raised them for independence but I also was like having a grief around that too and so we had to kind of sort that out and we've talked about it a little too I'm like okay this is what what's supposed to happen but it's hard also to have it happen um it I recognize you know that she has other people that are supporting her in different ways and um and and that's awesome so but but in terms of when when we really need each other I think that that part is there and I always say my very best parenting advice of all time is to know how to circle back and say I'd like a do-over. I didn't like how that went. I don't like how this feels. I I don't carry a huge ego when it comes to mothering. There's things I can sometimes get defensive about, but I try really hard. And I think my mom modeled this too, which is, so it kind of came organically for me. Um, I don't need to be the parent know-it-all. I don't need to. I go in and I'm like, okay, I didn't handle that right. Like, how can we do that differently? What do you need differently from me next time? How, you know... I'm worried about this. This is how I'm experiencing this, but tell me what's going on for you. And, and, you know, it's, it's served me well in that I have three very different children. And I, if I tried to do everything I did with this one for the next one and the next, it just wouldn't work. Um, So that, you know, I'm not a huge, like parenting book. Here's the guideline, do these things. And you're going to get this great kid in the end. I'm like, watch and learn and allow them to be themselves and flourish and, let go of what your agenda is for them, um, which is super That's hard. great advice, actually. Great yeah. advice. It's really hard because it's it's like I have to dig in to my own stuff, my own competitiveness, my own need for how things will look and let it go and just let it be what it is. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, again, it's constantly working on that. Well, and I love the advice. I'd like a do-over you know, I don't like how this went really in any relationship, not even with your children. It could be your spouse, a parent, a friend, like that is just great advice all across the board. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be hard for kids because I think even like the most mature kids will for sure be a lot more short with their parents, which makes sense. I mean, it's your parents, you know, you're more likely to kind of lose it. And I've said, Mm -hmm. especially this year, I think we've done a good job of like, sometimes I can tell you're feeling really stressed. Maybe your work has been really hard and long that week. And I can just hear it even in your voice. And like, 
sometimes just being thoughtful of that like how can I be taking care of my mom right now knowing everything she's taking on and like I knew this transition was hard for you too especially because I was home for so long and like that was a bigger switch I think it was even I would even say it was kind of like a harder switch than maybe even leaving for freshman year Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. some ways yeah just it's so unique and weird and yeah adapting to it I mean I have less time I don't walk to classes anymore I don't have those times where I can just quick call my mom like it's just a completely new setting and yeah adapting to that and being mm-hmm. okay with that it's yeah really important and it sounds like you Kirsten had a great role model and you've obviously had this great mom Sophie they have this amazing relationship but for a lot of people they don't have that right and so even kind of going back a little bit to those early teenage years the tween years when it kind of all starts right um, and that some, a little bit of that separation and wanting to be more independent, you know, what advice do you have? And for those people who just don't have this like bond that maybe you guys have always had or this open relationship, because I do think it's such an important one, the mother daughter relationship, but there's lots of bumps along the way too. Yeah. You know, I, I think that this is, this is where I love all that vulnerability kind of work too, because I think those are great stories to share with our daughters. Cause actually I don't want to tell my mom's story that she doesn't need to tell, but, or doesn't get to tell herself, but my mom would describe her relationship with her mom. as not necessarily the way she wanted it to be. My mom came from 10 kids. So you can only imagine there wasn't a lot of time to be really close and intimate with her mom. So she shared that. And I think she then, expressed her desire to offer up things that she wished she'd received. And so I always say like, start with where you are. Honesty about that journey with your kids doesn't show that you're weak or not good at it or whatever. It's just, it just shows like they're part of the process of creating that relationship. I think sometimes parents are like, well, no, this is how it has to go. Like I'm the parent, I'm the one in charge. I mean, I got to show up with the, with the agenda and the plan and the orders and all that. And um, and yes, you, you know, structure and a, a guidance is important. Um, but I also think it's, it's good to do and knowing when you're struggling, like, wow, I, I definitely know my sticking points that I, I get triggered or something comes up for me. And I have to then tune into that, spend a little time with that and know how to go there. But, you know, so much is about spending time with our kids and knowing them, you know, just quality time makes a big difference. Just um, you know, making it a priority to be around and, you know, just go, if you have that kid that just holds up in their bedroom, just go plop on their bed. Just, uh, hey, I'm just going to hang out here with you. Like <laughs> go where they are, be with them, you know, just spend, because you're, you're like, oh, doors shut. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not included, but I just try and like, I just want to be around you. I just, again, I, I'm comfortable acting like a kind of a pathetic needy person around them sometimes. And like, I just want to be with you and I love you. And I, you know, so starting in those spaces, but for some people that's not easy to do either, you know, to just show up in that way. Um, So tuning into why not and what's going on there and being curious about, and that's a lot of what we do in therapy is, is addressing those things that are hard to do. Um, Cause I work with a lot of moms who are struggling with their relationship with their kids. And we, this is the work we're working on is, you know, they're, they're having a hard time sharing with their kids they're having a hard time doing that more intimate level work. It's easier to just feed them and water them and put them out in the world than it is <laughs> to do the emotional work. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, you know, I would say just, you know, being really truthful about where you're struggling is it's okay. I think that's, 
wonderful advice. And I think telling your story and being vulnerable with, vulnerable with your kids, like you shared, that's, mm-hmm. that's great. I know I need to do more those of that myself. So. Those generational stories matter. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes people think they should not share like baggage of their history. And I just, I don't know. I, I think those secrets tend to be louder than quieter. And so sometimes when we, we flush them out, we share them, we talk about what they, the meaning or not meaning or whatever they are, they, it, I think it, they lose their power. Right. So, um, I, I, I share the things my parents did that were good, bad and ugly. And I kind of try and say, you know, oh, here I am showing up saying something my mom would say or whatever, or, you know, so we just have to kind of let those, those generational things have their place and mm-hmm. notice how they affect us. Learn from them and move on. Right. Right. Yeah. You have given so much amazing advice, both of you and insight into, um, just everything that's going on. And I think have really offered some tangible um, tips for people to, or steps to um, make some changes or help another person or reach out for help. So thank you so much for that. Um, And as we kind of start to wrap up, we love to ask all our guests, you know, what does the art of living well mean to you? want to start self or do you want me sure okay start (laughs) um I mean I feel like I've said this a couple times already but just thoughtfulness I think it's the biggest thing and so easy to lose in my generation especially with social media and all the technology and all the things available to us it's really easy to just move so quickly and get so sucked in and just kind of take away from what do I really need what do I really want what am I really passionate about like what am I hoping to do in this world? It's something that we can lose sight of so easily. And I even said to my mom, like this year, I've really noticed, I think last year I got so sucked into schoolwork and just the environment on campus. And sometimes I wouldn't think like, I really want to invest in these relationships. There's some very amazing kids around me that I want to be friends with for the rest of my life. And I want to make those connections with them. And it is so important, even in my busiest times to just take a break and spend time with my friends. and that's something I've worked really hard to be thoughtful about, but I know for some kids it's, what do I want for my career? What do I need for my mental health? What do I need to do to take care of myself physically? And at the end of the day, that is living well. It's an art, it takes time, it takes practice, it takes adjustments, but yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think I said this the first time too, is I just always come back to, for myself, it's about balance, which is a little bit of what you're talking about. Um, you know, when I'm not feeling well, it's because something is out of balance. And I have my little, like, I have a little thing I do for myself where I'm like, you know, spirit, mind, relationships, you know, career, I kind of have this little, it's, it's sort of a life coaching kind of tool that is, is a guide for me that says, wow, you know, I have not been nurturing my spirit. I haven't been going to those spaces or the creative part of myself. And um, I just know that, those are essential things that I have to keep looking at and how am I taking care of myself in those ways? Cause we can get kind of tunneled into our energy get zapped. And especially as a mom, you know, the demands of the children and running the house and that can kind of take over everything and setting boundaries around that and saying, you know, I also am a person that has needs and I have to figure out how to take care of those so that I have the reserves to give you people <laughs> 
you know, someone who seems like a human being. Um, and I think, you know, that's what I will sometimes see with moms is, is, you know, just not knowing how to set those boundaries with our time for our families and others and know how to say, I just need some quiet. I just need to go do whatever it is that feeds you. So for me, balance is really the art of living well and feeling well. And, um, you know, that's always just something to keep open to knowing that you have to work on all the time that you're not, you're not, it's, you're never there. You're just, you're just keeping tuned into it. <laughs> yeah. It's a journey, right? It's a journey. Yep. It is. Well, I'll said both of you. Well, yeah. thank you so much. This is such a fun conversation. I love, um, we love having you back on Kirsten and I love that we brought Sophie on and you shared so much insight, like Marnie mentioned, and we know it's going to be such um, an impactful conversation for others to hear. And Sophie, you um, have a beautiful maturity about you. Thank oh, so you. Sweet. Yeah. I know. I was, I was saying, can, can our next conversation be like post post pandemic? <laughs> I hope so. I to be more about this. I want it to be like, okay, it's over. Now what? How do we celebrate? <laughs> and maybe we can all be in person for that one too. Right? Yes, that would be amazing. Yes. It would be. Thank you guys. Yeah. Well, good luck with the rest of your sophomore year, Sophie. Yes. Have yes. a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at theartofliving underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.